Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Breakdown, the podcast where we break down the components of success, the battles that unify us all and the elements of sport that bring together each and every one of us. I'm Orla Shinoui, you are? Greg Rutherford, once upon a time Olympic athlete. I love the way you do that with such a presentary tone of voice. <laughs> are you ever going to be just Greg Rutherford and not a once upon a time? You should be who you are now, surely. Um, that's a good point, actually. I am Greg Rutherford. There you go, that's good enough. Today's guest is the racing driver, Jamie Chadwick, who I've been such a huge fan of for a long time, which sounds odd because she's still so young and still so early in her career, but she has achieved so much. She's the only winner uh, still of the W Series, yep. the Women's Only Racing Series. Um, we had hoped, and she had hoped, that she'd be progressing to Formula 3 or Formula 2 this season she didn't get the budget so she is back in the w series she's hoping to compete in formula one within the next couple of years and she's a, a development driver on the williams team and this year very excitingly as well she's got a brand new team with a huge profile which is the jenner racing team founded by none other than caitlin jenner which is just a fascinating coming together of cultures and different sports and just a really interesting thing to talk to her about. But we went and visited her in her lovely home in central London, didn't we? It was a very lovely home, actually. Yeah, she's done very well for herself there. Racing car driving is the right sport to be in. Um, <laughs> Any regrets there, long jumper? Absolutely. Uh, no, no, again, absolutely fascinating. From my point of view, speaking to a young athlete who's still striving to achieve something in their career, even though she's already achieved so much. What she's done for, for women's motorsport is incredible. And I think we all believe that she's going to go on and do incredibly well. The, the mindset that she's already got at such a young age and just the, the thought process and everything else, I loved. I thought it was a brilliant conversation. And she was really honest about pretty much everything mm. and anything, which I, I think a lot of people fear to be, and especially at her age. I found that it was an incredibly mature conversation with her. And I loved it. Oh, yeah, she she was very honest and open about her belief on protecting women's sport, which I think um, what she said was the first time that she's spoken out about that. So that's certainly something um, to keep listening for. Are you a motor racing fan? Are you into it at all? Well, I once shared a car with Jackie Stewart. I knew there was um, going to be a massive toe-breaking yeah. name drop there. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. You can hear that all the way into Glasgow. <laughs> because the thing is, you didn't actually answer my question. Are you into motor racing, Greg? Yeah, I, I watch the <laughs> F1. I watch F1, um, not broad scale. And that's why, again, for me, this is fascinating, mm. speaking to athletes from sports that I'm not a huge fan of. But the mindset and what they go through and everything they do, I find fascinating because there's still so many similarities. And not just within sport to everyday life. There's so many things that the athletes that we're speaking to, Jamie was one of them, they give you these little nuggets, these beautiful nuggets of information which can help everyday life. What it can't help, it seems, though, is Jamie Chadwick's ability to park a car. <laughs> because it would seem that for somebody that is one of the, the probably one of the greatest female drivers of all time, absolutely cannot park a car. She can't parallel her. park. I think that was the problem. No, she said all parking. Oh, all right, parking. all parking. She can't park a car. So, I mean, it's, it's another interesting side to somebody that spends a lot of time in a vehicle. Question, though, do you keep your parking assist on? Do you use that? I'm, I don't. I'm I'm lazy really? man, yes, all the yeah. time, but I'm an incredible driver. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I know from anecdotes from you that you've got a real propensity for road rage as well. So if anybody if anybody sees this big ginger man behind a wheel throwing obscenities out the window, it's Prince Harry. It, it's Prince <laughs> Harry. <laughs> anyway, should we get to it? Absolutely. Let's see it. Here's the breakdown with Jamie Chadwick. 
Jamie, thank you so much for welcoming us into your beautiful home. We're it's in lovely, London. Yeah. We're all a bit giddy because we've been doing accents <laughs> before we started recording. Well, no, you say that. You've been attempting to do accents and they've all sounded either Welsh <laughs> or like nothing that's ever been created before. But I've been attempting it because you said you're excellent at accents oh, and didn't see, give didn't us anything. You yeah, didn't drop give it us in anything. the podcast now. I said you were going to do this. I said to you, privately, I'll give you all the accents. It'll be brilliant. <laughs> we don't need to do it here because I don't want to offend anybody. So we'll leave it there. But Jamie, you can do accents. We've been doing a bit of Piggy Blinders. Um, I mean, I can't. I never claimed this. Yeah, like you two. No I sat on the sidelines as an innocent judge of said accents. And with judging Orla's ability, where would you rank her? Uh, um, I mean, if you use one word, it's not that bad. Yeah. And then it's when <laughs> you start you making sentences, yeah. that it, it's bad, right? It starts it to tear off. Well, just very quickly, go on, why don't you give everybody a little. Maybe a Tommy bit, Shelby. Tommy Shelby. Arthur. <laughs> That's more like Game of Thrones. It's the face that goes with it as well. (laughs) I couldn't even see Arthur 3 because because I started to laugh. Arthur. There you go. What was that? I don't know. I went into like Irish. Irish. (laughs) (laughs) Going to start impersonating your accent. Anyway, anyway. Uh. Jimmy, you're just back from (laughs) Malibu, aren't Um, you? Yes, well few weeks ago yeah um, yeah got back so went out and visited uh caitlin jenner who's my new team boss for this year for the first time which was yeah cool very uh new experience for me to be going out to america to visit a team boss but yeah it was cool was you nervous going into to meet caitlin a little bit i mean i've had um a few phone calls with her so i kind of got to know her a little bit um prior to well going to her house and meeting her um but yeah a little bit i think you always are even if it's any team boss aside from being caitlin jenner I think you're always a bit nervous, but um, yeah, fortunately she's so cool. So um, yeah, that put me at ease. Did you go to the house and do do sort of the, the whole, see everything? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, do you want to so know what the house cool. looked like? What's it do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you walk in on the No, it's really cool. I mean, obviously, um, yeah, the Malibu, I mean, I personally love living in London, but to be honest, where they are is, is pretty cool. So yeah, honestly, a stunning house, two dogs, which was a win for me. Um, and yeah, I just think she's actually so understated and easygoing. She's got an old classic um, car that we went out in. And honestly, I, there's a side of her that you would never have, well, I would never have sort of even known, even though she's so well known, um, that I kind of got to know a lot better. And yeah, it was kind of cool to just get that personal personality out of her. What's it like getting an insight, though, into that kind of global celebrity? Because she is your, your boss. But also you're going to meet Caitlyn Jenner, which is a bit mind-blowing really, isn't it? Yeah, there's a few pinch-yourself moments, especially because, I mean, I'm from sport. You mm. No, like, we don't really... It's two different worlds. I mean, there's certain sports where there's more of a crossover and yeah, Lewis Hamilton sort of lives the sort of celebrity dream a little bit. But, yeah, for me, I've never been exposed to that. And to be honest, don't really have that much interest in being exposed to it either, which is why I think it's so nice that Caitlyn is just a normal person and... I can just have a normal conversation with her because that's kind of all I want in a boss, I guess. Mm. So why did you sign with the generation team then? How did it all come about? A uh, good question. So it kind of came about beginning of this year. Um, so after the end of last year, um, for those who don't know, I won W Series in October, I think. For the um, second time. Yeah, for the second time. Um one in America. I didn't realise, I think Caitlin was actually in Austin, maybe. Oh, no, I don't know if she was. But I think conversations had started between Jenna and W Series. But 
for me, I kind of was hoping to progress and move out of W Series, see other opportunities. And when those started to sort of fall through, I started speaking to W Series and they said, we've actually got something that could be quite interesting for you. Um, Caitlin Jennings is starting a team. And actually that was quite a big part of why I, um, you know, started a conversation with her because it is so different. It's quite left field. Mm. I've never known in motorsport a team boss to be from that kind of world. And so, yeah, I started the conversation. Um, I explained to Caitlin the position I was in, um, where I kind of felt, um, you know, I wanted to go, my ambitions. And she kind of told me her story and why she wanted to get involved in the series, which is also really interesting. And yeah, there's so many parallels. Um, it just seemed to work and it was a nice fit. So why did she want to get involved with it then? What was the what was the thinking behind creating the team? So a few things. So she actually has a background in racing. So she's won uh, a few years ago uh, the Sebring 12 Hours, which is a sports car race. And she's a factory driver for Ford. So she has got, you know, history in the sport. She's raced herself. And then she really wanted to start something to help women's sport. And given the fact she likes racing and she wants to help women's sport, W Series seemed like quite a nice fit. And she researched it, started to understand, you know, the ambitions of the drivers, what, you know, she could actually do to help. And really by her having a team in the series is, yeah, actually supporting so many of us to have this chance to be racing and, yeah, progress in the sport. You'd said that you were keen to move on from W Series. We were chatting a little bit about this before we started recording. I think a lot of people were hoping on your behalf as well that you would take a seat in F3, maybe even F2. How frustrating was it that that didn't happen? Or tell us the story behind it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a few sides of it. Um, I think, yes, it was frustrating because I think every young driver, you know, you set your ultimate goal, set Formula One, and you know the roadmap to get there and there's no sort of cheating that roadmap. And the perception of W Series, I think, is that it's at a higher level than it's at. So mm. I think people think, oh, if you win W Series, why isn't she in a Formula One car? Or why isn't she at least in a Formula Two or Formula Three car? But Actually, the level of it in terms of the car that they drive, it's sort of below an F3 car. The amount of seat time you get in the cars in the season is quite limited. And whilst it's an unbelievable opportunity and it's professionalised women's motorsport overnight, still there's quite a gap away to get to the next level. And like I said, that gap is a little bit in experience, but also in the financial support that you need to progress in the sport. And unfortunately, to secure a top seat in F3 or F2, um, you know, you're looking at well north of a, a million um, sterling each year. So I think all those factors coming together, it just didn't make sense. Um, I couldn't secure the backing. I didn't feel prepared enough. And I'm a big believer of, you know, I don't think it has to be done, um, you know, the same way as everyone else has done it. And for me, my position is very different. I know if I'm going to make Formula One, you know, I've got to be there on talent and on merit. I'm not going to be token gesture female. I think that would do a lot more damage um, than good. And I want to be there, like I said, on merit. So if I go into F3 and have a bad year for any one of these factors being, um, you know, responsible, then I don't want that to reflect on on women in the sport. So, yeah, I want to be able to do it for the right reasons and, yeah, progress in the right way. And likewise, those coming through and the girls that next have the opportunity that I've had, um, them equally have the same opportunity. It's very interesting you sort of say, when everybody watches F1 in particular, you see so much with regards to sponsorship and obviously so much money, everything being thrown at it. Why is that not filtering down to obviously F3, F2 in the women's series, to obviously not to the same level, but but what? why isn't it happening? What obviously could happen to make it get at least closer to it? It's a really good question. I mean, in Formula One, you have the manufacturers, you have the big teams and they're pumping 
mad about cash each year. So they've put a cost cap in place um, of 160 million, which is the cap. Um, <laughs> but even without that cost cap, you wouldn't believe the amount the teams are spending. And obviously the support for the drivers comes within in that budget. But in Formula 2, Formula 3, you know, all the levels below it, you know, the level of exposure is just nowhere near the same and the amounts of money is still significant. So it is difficult and it's difficult for every driver, uh, male or female. But I do think it does mean the sport misses a bit of a trick because it's not like everyone, everyone in their, or most people in their lifetime kick a football. So mm. you get to an idea if you're maybe going to be good at football and you yeah. can progress in that sport. Whereas unfortunately, a lot of people don't get the opportunity in, in motor racing. So it's taking away maybe, you know, a pool of talent that we don't necessarily know about. Um, and then obviously if you cut the talent pool down and then the amount of women that are even interested in the sport, there's so few that to progress through the ranks is, is just so difficult to see see women do it. We just took those numbers. That's, that's basically 100 times what you need to, to have one season is what they cap it at. So obviously they could throw even more money at it. I mean, do you think the team should be doing more? I mean, should they be pumping money down to get as many of you guys through as possible? Definitely. And I kind of mentioned before, I think it is changing massively. Um, we used to always, you know, in the sport, sort of refer to the days of when Lewis Hamilton was backed um, from karting um, by McLaren. And in the last few years, that's not really happened. There's a few exceptions to the rule. And there's a few guys that have been um, sort of cherry picked. But generally speaking, there haven't been so many. But honestly, now it is changing big time. I'm a bit late on the cusp for that. But Mercedes, for example, have a really good junior program. They've got uh, young girl in the in the program as well that's I think 13 or 14 so it's definitely changing um, and I think that's great for the sport the sport's getting more popular people are engaging with it more um, but like I said in terms of women getting into the sport it's just a numbers game and unfortunately there just aren't aren't very many women at the moment it's really interesting that you say and I think this is really common for all women in any walk of life that you say you want to make it to Formula One on merit that you don't want to be a token woman, you have to be at least as good as the guys. But when we talk about that kind of money, not all the guys are there on merit, exactly. are they? Yeah, They're there yeah. because they've got an absolute ton of money behind them. But as a woman, you feel more of a responsibility, I guess, for your entire gender by the time you make it to Formula One. That's that's quite a pressure, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, it is. Um, it's a pressure. Also, I, you know, I need to drive for myself. And if I have, I always say, if, if I'm not on pole because I break too early into turn one, for example... You know, that's not because I'm a girl. That's just mm. because I break. Personally, I break too early, but it doesn't mean someone else isn't. So I think there's, you know, a certain pressure I feel because I guess the wider audience see it in, you know, any female driver outside of W Series. Um, you know, their success does reflect on a lot of women in the sport. But at the same time, like I said, as an individual, as a sports person, I can't necessarily look at it like that. Um, but that said, I think, yeah, in the sport going forwards um it would be nice if we can kind of take away that pressure for, mm. for the young girls coming through because the thing i hear a lot is oh she's good for a girl mm. and that must be so frustrating yeah it is but then i think it's kind of you don't really notice it and then i think now going forwards it shouldn't be like that she should just be good and it's just i think it comes from a reason and it's because in the nicest way there have been so few you know, really successful female racing drivers. And that's but, just... But surely that's also down to the people that are running the sport, not giving people enough opportunities. Now, like, I can only... Ever not levelling up, well, essentially. Not, of course. And, and, yeah, not backing. Because fundamentally, I, when I look at something like 
motorsports. You have a machine effectively that you're handling in order to go around a track as fast as you possibly can. It's the ultimate leveler. If everybody has the same outcome, men, women, whatever, it should be really relatively the same because it's not the same as say, I don't know, you want to, you want to put mix the men's and women's 100 meters final, for example, because yeah. we know there's nearly a second difference in, in timings there. Whereas with the cars, you would have thought, so there clearly hasn't been a change of thought process over however many years to bring more people through. And we were talking before, what was it? You said nearly 50 years now since we've seen a woman on the F1 grid. I mean, that's, that's absurd, surely. And that, I struggle to believe that there's not more people behind the scenes seeing that as ridiculous. So are the people that are currently running the sport, I know you don't have to smash them <laughs> or anything, but are, I mean, do you think it is a little bit antiquated and, and, maybe a little bit backwards and old fashioned because I can wonder, athletics is 100%. It's yeah, run by the world old is, you know. white men who basically dictate everything mm. within the sport. Yeah. And it's it's a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. And I, I'd just be interested in whether or not you have, you don't have to be as harsh as I yeah. am on my yeah. but I mean, your views on, on my race network. Um, there's a few sides of it, to be honest, because there's, I think, the really positive side of it, which I'm going to speak a bit more on is, the people that are really trying to make a difference and get more women in the sport and genuinely feel passionately about that. And I do believe the people behind W Series are mm -hmm. those people. If you think they single-handedly and, you know, they've struggled to get commercial partners on board to support what they're doing. They funded for the past two, now going on three years, um, well, 18 to 20 uh, female racing drivers in their career, given them effectively a salary with the prize money, professionalised it and helped them, supported them in their dream. And to do that in any sport is is huge. And so the side of it is, yes, it's definitely starting to change because they've started creating these, you know, series. There are sponsors get involved with all female cars in Le Mans, Richard Miller getting involved. There's a lot of different, um, you know, initiatives and things to support women in the sport. However, the way I kind of look at it is that's great. And W Series has given me this huge platform is that, the sport has inherently been designed for men to mm. succeed, which is absolutely as it should be because women haven't been interested in the sport previously. That's kind of the perception necessarily. If you have every hundred men that or boys that start in karting, there'll be one or two girls to that a hundred. So naturally they have to cater for the demand of, you know, the people that are competing. However, now it's starting to change and now we are starting to get more women in the sport. I just feel like the pathway is still designed or based around men. And I've spoken about it before and it, it sounds like really insignificant little things. I've heard sort of backlash of, well, some of the guys are smaller and what have you, but men are stronger than women mm -hmm. genetically. Mm -hmm. And I think the great thing about motorsport is you have to be strong. There is a level that you have to get to, but like you said, it's man and machine or man and woman and machine. And it's not a case of, the stronger you are, the faster you'll be. You've got to get to that level. And once you're at that level and you're capable of driving the car, then it's a different skill set that's required and a skill set that I think men and women are parable on. It's not, um, you know, men have better reflexes than women. They are, you know, like for like in that sense, in my opinion. So this physical side of things is how can we make the sport a little bit easier for women coming through physically? Because from my understanding, Formula One, well, Formula One has power steering, from there on down, it doesn't. And if you think, if you compare a 16-year-old girl coming out of go-karts 
to a 16-year-old boy coming out of go-karts. There are big differences. Um, I think without power steering, I remember driving around in a Vauxhall Nova for a bit with no power steering. It was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, exactly, it was an absolute nightmare. So yeah, I could, that's, that's definitely less than ideal. So, so how there did you, go, you change what, that then? Um, so now it's just, and I'm doing sort of, I do my own research on it basically, um, where I'm trying to get a better understanding of the physical strain and stress that my body's going through in a Formula 3 level car. Uh, that doesn't have power steering. I then want to ultimately go on to compare that to the average male driver and then put power steering into the car and see the differences. And with all that data, understand actually, because it might be, I might be talking utter rubbish here and it might be that, you know, the physical stress the man's going under is the same as what I'm going through. They just cope better and I need to stop moaning and crack on it. And it might be that, and I would swallow that pill happily, but it might be that the performance deficit because normally what I find is if I'm not struggling physically in the car, I can be comparable to the men. Um, in my whole junior career, the championships that I've raced in one, um, generally speaking, I've not struggled physically. When I've struggled physically, that's when you have to adapt the car to change the engineering side of it so that we can yeah, have a lighter steering uh, feel, for example. And then suddenly you're at a performance deficit. And but you were saying, wouldn't you, in the F1 cars, that they are completely designed around the individual driver. So obviously for yourself, they're not, and like you're saying, effectively you're jumping into a car that's designed around men, boys. Yeah. So from your point of view, if the car was obviously completely adapted to you, yeah. then it surely completely and utterly level all of that. But then again, we're probably looking at, I mean, my naivety, what, do we, what does it cost to completely redesign a car that's, to fit you? That's the kind so of... So it's all cost. Yeah, that's it, cost. it does come back to cost. Well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I find it fascinating that you're the one doing the research, though, Julie. Yeah. This hasn't been carried out before. Oh, uh, no, I'm surprised. It shows how far behind the sport yes, is, agreed. really. But definitely. But then also who there is and hasn't... Susie did an incredible job um, when she was coming through. Yeah, of course, sorry. Um, and she had an amazing opportunity. She drove in free practice and got there, in my opinion, um, you know, on merit and in a way that maybe she didn't have some of the physical barriers that I've had with where she went through in DTM. So she definitely was a pioneer for us. Mm -hmm. But since Susie, there's been a couple of other female drivers that have raced since Formula 3, Formula 2, but kind of gone away and that's kind of been it. And now I feel in a position that if I don't make it in the sport, I unfortunately feel like the next female driver that's coming through, unless they have the paycheck of some of the male drivers and they can really go over time on yeah having the right preparation and everything then I don't believe that it's that easy to progress um you know with the way things are so there has to be some responsibility on on the big teams the main f1 teams there has to be surely they have to start thinking about filtering through some of this expertise and money effectively yeah so that's what we could right we call it Red Bull literally around the corner. From <laughs> yeah, there you go. Mr. Horner, I'm coming for you now. I'm going to start, that's it. We're going to start getting things Come going. Come like this door step. I'm going to. I'm going to but get him on the place. podcast. You just step over me. <laughs> to be fair on that, because I work with Williams and they're very supportive and I'm hoping that, you know, with my relationship with them and even W Series and kind of all that we have going on, that this will start to become a thing and... You know, like I said, it might mean come to nothing. It might be I speak to you in a few months' time and I'm like, okay, we just need to <laughs> change the perception or whatever. But I, I feel like it's these kind of... No one can argue with data. If it's hard written, it's not just, you know, me getting out of the car and moaning that my arms are tired. It's it's there in, in facts. So given your experience in the junior ranks and the fact that you still race against guys as well outside of the W Series, if 
power, if strength wasn't a factor, um, as it is leveled out, I guess, a little bit more in, in F1, are you better than most guys that you race against? Um, I think I'm, yeah, well, I mean, I've... Go on, sir, yeah, it is. Go not on. Most, well, I think... I've just beat around the bush. Yes. So yes not good. most guys, That's but... That's what we wanted. Good. Um, I feel like... The championships that, and the races I've won, the people I've competed against have gone on to have success in the sport and rightly so, but I was comparable to them. It wasn't like mm -hmm. there was this big deficit to them. Um, I had a really bad year in 2020 uh, where I was with a top team in, it's called the Formula Regional European Championship. Um, and a lot of the reason that I struggled that year was with physicality and I never spoke about it really during the year but we did a lot and the team did try and help me change it from an engineering point of view make it lighter but I always felt at a poor performance deficit so I think not just speaking on behalf of myself I just think if the playing field is a little bit more level where physicality isn't quite so much of an issue then I strongly believe there are a lot more women and young girls coming out of karting especially that will be successful and we see that in in sports car racing um, where it's not as physical you know how fast some of the female drivers are there so in terms of reaching the pinnacle of the sport it just in my opinion needs to sort of alter the approach a little bit what's the time limit from your point of view from my side of the if i wanted to make formula one i'd say so in the next three years um but yeah like i said i'm if i do that i want to do it on merit and if i don't make it then if nothing else i'd like to leave the sport in a easier position for, for women to kind of progress through so if it's three years, what does that pathway look like for you realistically? How would you get there? W Series again this year. Yeah. So W Series again this year, which I'm really excited about. We go to some amazing circuits. It's a really cool, cool calendar again. Um, whilst doing W Series, um, hopefully secure the support and the funding to do a support test program in something like F2 um, or an F2 car. So I can get the sort of mileage. The one thing I think people forget with motorsport is as uh say if you're a runner or a long jumper you can compete in your sport yeah i was looking at all of them <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. yeah. oh, oh, you can <laughs> do something that is or your training is the sport effectively you can go out and do that every day more or less yeah. whereas in motorsport you don't drive mm. the car until really the race weekends and you do some testing but it's the amount of time you're in the car is so limited and you can drive simulators, but it's not the same. So the actual time that you get to train is really small. So the whole point is, is trying to change that so that, you know, the drivers can get as much time in the car as possible. And that's the plan this year is so get as much time in something like an F2 car, then go into F2 for two years from next year onwards, which is going to cost a huge amount of money. That's the bigger battle to face at the moment. But yeah, if, if we can do that, that's the, the goal. And I guess that's where being in the Jenner team will hopefully help with the exposure and the platform and, and the American audience as well. Definitely. And yeah, just a whole new audience. Um, it's not the only reason I'm with Jenner. Yeah. Definitely not. I'm excited about, yeah, W Series to me is kind of what's made me in terms of I wouldn't be racing without it. Mm -hmm. um, I would have, yeah, lacked the support way earlier on in my career um, before W Series came about. So it's great to be back. Like I said, we raced at some amazing tracks. I've got the chance to be racing. I love racing. I get the chance to to do what I love. Um, and yeah, obviously with with Jenna, it's, it's just that bit more exciting. Just to go back to the physicality briefly, I'm really curious as to what you think or, or how honest, I guess, you can be with us about what you think about transgender 
drivers being allowed into the W series because when we're looking at you hopefully getting to F1 and we're talking about men and women competing against each other, it's a massive controversy in, in lots of different sports. Where are we in, in motorsports with it? It's a good question. I mean, in other sports where there is a definite, um, you know, physical difference between men and women, I personally think that, you know, women's sport needs to be protected. And, you know, if you're genetically, um, you know, got part of, yeah, you've transitioned as an example, then I think it's it's difficult to compare like for like in women's sport. And there are physical differences in sports like cycling and, you know, running and what have you. So on that side of things, you know, I agree with, say, the actions of British cycling that, you know, that they've made. Uh, in motorsport, it is different because although I talk about how physical it is, you know, ultimately we do plan to compete against men and we can plan to make it as a mixed sport, kind of how, you know, equestrian is as an example. So I think from that side of things, I think everyone should compete in motorsport, male, female, transgender, whatever. Um, w Series is a platform that initially came about to support, well, to get more women in the sport. And to be honest, there aren't many transgender women in the sport either. So I think their role there is to try and encourage more and more um, women in the sport, you know, regardless, just to really create a huge platform for it. So I think because motorsport's unique in that situation, I understand what W Series are doing, but then from a more global sporting side of things, uh, particularly in more physical sports, I think it, it should be kept separate. So you mentioned the British cycling example, and there's the big story recently about Emily Bridges, transgender athlete, um, who was hoping to compete in the female category in track cycling, and I think initially was allowed to, and then British Cycling and now the, the international cycling body have come out and said, no, she's not allowed. So you think that that's the right call, that she shouldn't be? I don't think she should compete in women's cycling because I think it depends on the situation, but, you know, people that have developed, um, you know, skeletally as a man are going to have an advantage over women in a sport that's as physical as cycling. And, you know, I could never make it professionally in cycling because I'm nowhere near as strong as those women. So they train their whole lives and work so hard to be the absolute best versions of themselves. And I think that, you know, that does need to be protected. Um, the difficult side of it, and I completely understand this and I have no answers for it, is, you know, where does someone like Emily Bridges compete? Because, you know, it's unfair to seclude her from women's sport when all she, you know, identifies as is a woman. But I guess that's where, I've heard it a few times and Caitlin mentions it, is where women's sport does need to be protected be protected but you're okay with it in the w series as it stands yes i mean i think w series is a unique uh series where like i said it's ultimately trying to get women to compete with men in the sport mm -hmm. so regardless of you know who's going through the series ultimately at the end of it they're going to progress into being in a mixed category that's going to have men women you know everyone um involved it's not just its own women's sport versus men's sport however because w series is trying to promote women in the sport i guess that's where they've um yeah included the role of transgender women as well which yeah I, i've got no opinion on that to be honest um but yeah more physical sports i, I am more sort of prone to decide with the likes of british cycling do you feel that's an unpopular position these days it's such a it's such a difficult mm. topic and and many of us i guess don't can't really claim to have a right to have an opinion on it other than being invested in the sport in some ways as you obviously are is it, are you ever worried about 
expressing that opinion or um I've never expressed it until now to be honest but um yeah I guess so but then I think I'm a woman in this in sport and you know I have a right for my own career my own sort of perspective to protect myself and voice my opinion um as should I think every woman in the sport so I don't think you can say anything these days that is going to be perfectly received but I think you do still have to express your opinion and yes stand up for what you do believe in I want to get back to you um, and I want to ask you what kind of support, if any, you get from any of the Formula One drivers and I'm thinking of the Brits, particularly Lewis Hamilton. Do you get any moral support or any advice or any career advice from any of them or is it just everybody for themselves? A little bit. I mean, I'm good friends with George uh, Russell, so um, we spend a lot of time with him and yeah, always he's a sounding board for advice and he's, yeah kind of done the perfect career pathway I guess he's now in in the top team teammates with Lewis so um yeah I, I sort of lean on as many people as I can for advice um but yeah it is great to be involved with a team like Williams as well because you know even the drivers they have and the engineers and everyone in that team to get access to a Formula One team as a junior driver is actually pretty hard and unknown to be honest so to be involved with the team to the level I am um I feel like I gain a lot from that. I'm fascinated by what you get out of actual racing because have you ever raced? Have you ever raced a car, motor uh, racing or motorbike racing? No, I haven't actually. No, no. no. I mean, I, I'd did, be really good at it. Did I ever tell you? Actually, do you know I've got a racing license? This is really pathetic to say next to Jimmy Chadwick. Do I have a racing? I've license? got a racing license, a car racing license. You just ask me if I've ever done it. Or yeah, I but I don't no, know if I've, I've ever told it. you. No, but I have. But I, did, I go get on my license. But I'm terrible. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, commercial pilot as well. Actually, I just got that just for fun. Yeah. I'm joking all the time. I don't have the license. <laughs> I thought there's no way you got your, your pilot's license and didn't brag oh. about it to all of us. No, but oh. the reason I'm asking is because I think it takes such a certain mentality to want to race at that kind of speed, right? Because I got a racing license and I was really rubbish at it, but I loved I it. Quite, I yeah, tell us more about yeah. No, 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 no. no, no, no. You've really just Jamie's got like, actually, I raced but, at Silverstone once, but yeah. when I say raced... I actually crashed out in like the third corner and uh, there were vintage cars and oh, they couldn't no. get it started again. So you had to... broke a vintage car? Essentially, oh, yeah. Nah. The thing is though, because I didn't think I was into speed until I tried it and then terrified, terrified, terrified and then loved it. Yeah. What goes through your mind as you're racing? What is, what is that moment of putting the visor down like to begin with? What, what are you anticipating? I, to be honest... Because I've done it for so long now, although I don't know, maybe ten years or so, uh, just seems normal. Like, really? It's so, and I, I find it unusual when I see you know people do it for the first time. Say for example, when you got your license, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> when I crashed yeah. in the third It's very yeah. similar. I do find it. It's very <laughs> similar. Yeah. And kind of it being unusual because it's not something you've not done before. But to me, it's just normal because it's what I'm so used to doing. So the feeling to me isn't necessarily anything crazy the one thing I always find funny is when I've not been in the car for a while how fast it feels straight away mm -hmm. the first lap or the first time out the pit lane and you run a pit limiter so it keeps you at a constant speed whilst you're in the pit lane and then you switch that off and kind of you feel the acceleration what speed are you getting up to you'll go up to 160 miles an hour so a formula one car will go well above 200 miles an hour you got close to that in your vintage car <laughs> <Yeah. Yes. laughs> 
It's going to keep bringing back to the business calendar. Oh, Greg, give me a break. Why do I tell you anything? <laughs> While you are going around there, and obviously you are getting up to around 160 miles at no, I was, new, I was close to 60 miles an hour, to be Wait. fair. Yeah, yeah. That's exciting. Breakneck speed. Um, Do you know what I actually did? The day after, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, day after <laughs> the day after, I got my license, yeah. I got caught speeding. Did I you? I mean, how cliche. I got, I got really into it. Was it a good speed? Well, was it? <laughs> <laughs> was it? Was it? Really because did I've you been really done. Triple figures, did you break? Yeah. yeah. I was driving it's like... through London, so you didn't oh, have to go very fast. Yeah. But I was genuinely trying to like, I was trying to shave time off my commute and it was at 4 a.m. So there's no Dangerous traffic. Hurt. And Works I was like, I was reading the lines and everything. Yeah. You know, I, I was reading like the into the mindset of getting yeah. into, into my racing lines. And I did like 45 and a 40, which is pathetic. Yeah. But yeah, I got caught You've got down in my estimations. Oh now, dear, I know. So. Anyway, I interrupted your question. You did. Yeah, yeah. Probably the best. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I just... Uh, is it just is it pure like a flow state like you're just sort of mm. going through because i'm assuming obviously you, or you, you will you have to learn all of the tracks that yeah. you're going on to is it is there is it a situation of you are purely just okay here we go hardly i don't know what's going on hard yeah. left coming up or whatever i went right as i did that so it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't bode well um or uh, do you have time for other thoughts do you ever think about anything yeah, about you what you want to eat you or okay i don't have, i don't necessarily think about what i want to eat but you do have time because so many things become subconscious. Um, mm -hmm. So you don't. I don't think about changing gear. I know what gear I'm meant to be in for every corner. I don't think about that. That's not something that is conscious. I don't go, okay, up, now, up, now. Like you, there's so many things. So you shift and for more, they have like, um, beep that's in your ear that tells you when to shift. And on Cheating, our basically. car, so basically yeah. <laughs> we could all do it, couldn't we? Yeah. Pretty much. On our <laughs> car, it's um, on lights. So as soon as you see the light go to red, without realizing you've, shifted up and it's on a paddle shift you kind of roughly know where to break and kind of everything all that stuff is subconscious so then what you do sort of start to think about are the much finer details like because the difference between you know being on pole or not on pole is half a tenth of a second say mm -hmm. um and that margin is the difference between breaking five meters later or not breaking five minutes five meters later so those are the details you start to think about and using every bit of track on entry and exit and all these finer details. And then also with that, in a race, for example, you've got to think about car in front of you, tire management, you know, strategy with the yeah, race going on and the duration and everything. So there's a lot of other things you need to think about that don't allow you to just focus on the actual driving, if that makes sense. Does your mind ever wonder then, have you ever caught yourself mid-race or even mid-track session thinking about a shopping list um i don't think so it's it's, it's honestly it's the best feeling for sprouts. me because <laughs> um because i do it because when i drive on the road um i do this autopilot thing which i won't remember getting from right. a to b wow. and i'll just be in and it's everything is subconscious and i don't know if you guys ever mm -hmm. do that yeah you forget that. entire journey so yeah, quite exactly yeah. yeah so then suddenly basically a lot of the driving for me is like that. So the rest of it is so filled with other stuff that I don't have the capacity to be mm -hmm. thinking about shopping lists and what have you. <laughs> That's but good to know. I, I do know um, George, for example, because in Formula One, um, you know, they're having to talk on the radio a lot. They're having to really do a huge amount, make changes on the steering wheel every other corner, for example. So something I remember George saying he does um, in the simulator would be, He'll be doing a simulator, but he'll be throwing like mental arithmetic or something right, as he's yeah. doing it. So he's having to use two parts of his brain, I guess, yeah. to, to 
to think about other things. Well, people will probably correct me if I'm wrong, but I was told, so I once, I did want to be a pilot, actually. Um, I want to be <laughs> you a still fighter. do, don't you? Yeah, I do, yeah, at some point That's I'll get it. I want to be a fighter pilot for a long time. Um, and I was told that one of the, the things you have to do is you have to be able to answer really in-depth questions while juggling. And that's, that's so, so Can I taught, you juggle? I taught myself to juggle, yeah, oh. purposely because I, I taught wanted myself to, to juggle. To, oh, here we go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't even get to the end of the story. Wait, how many um, balls can you juggle? Uh, no, I'm just very good with three. Just, I'm just very good. No, because Actually, I know people are going to. Can I do t- no, I taught myself to juggle in lockdown and I haven't kept it up. So I can do three, but then okay. I can right, no, I thought yeah, all of us. Juggle off. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, show, off. I'll show you. While doing it. Yeah, while fielding questions on what though? Any, anything that's how the whole point and every to question be. has to be answered in a different accent yeah yeah that's, that's all this test yeah that's, that's all. <laughs> well, we still have to get greg in the accents though good just what one more time tell me no we're gonna <laughs> <Arthur>. <laughs> <laughs> we digress so when, when you're driving sort of day to day though as you say you're going to autopilot are you like a really cautious driver do you do you ever find yourself just like just re- I had a mate basically, and I could dig him out. Reese Williams, his name is a, is a four hurdler. And ever you got in the car with him, he'd, I ne- I'll never forget it. He'd like stretch his arms out straight, and he'd always like pretend he's a racing. He loves it. Jimmy doesn't like, need to pretend. No, I know you driver. don't. But what I mean is, is it because of habits that are inherent to you? Is there certain things that you do, or is you just sitting there and just one hand on and just I relax? I think depends who you ask. Um, <laughs> I when I first started driving, I was a bit bad for it to be honest. Really? I'll be honest with that because. I not trying to be uh, pushing I never, the limit. Not pushing the limit, not even speeding, but I just get so wound up by other people. Uh, um, a little bit, yeah. And then I realised I hated myself. Like if I was like, if I looked at the character I am right now, yeah. getting like angry, flashing at people, I was like, this, I'm the worst person. Do so, you still get road rage? No, then? not at all. No. Not even not? like no, and I've How? gone like full I just I honestly I drive like so oh, Yeah, but I was like, yeah. yeah. I literally, I drive around, like, probably nearly have, like, five crashes, not even blink, like, <laughs> I think I'm horrendous. You're a terrible driver. No, no, I am, I am, and I think my, um, I think, I hope if I, like, switch, like, I've got something I switch on in a race car, because in, on the road, it's like, yeah, I'm so blase, and then I'm shocking at parking. Yeah. Um, really? And my spatial awareness is quite bad as well. Oh, yeah. all of the above. But reverse, actually, <laughs> reverse isn't so bad, but... Yeah, parallel's bad. Um, your driving test. When did you get your road driving test? So here's the problem. Oh. I got it when I was. I was, I was like, hoping you were you haven't got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have really one. Really That's a good bombshell. <laughs> this is the issue. <laughs> that never happened. Uh, no, so I got yeah. it when I was um, like a month or two after my birthday. But I only had two lessons because it was really hard to get a what's it called a driving test. Like, yeah. it was, so you had to book months in advance, and a cancellation became available. And I was like, I'm going to book it. And then I called up my driving instructor and I was like, look, I've got three days until my thing. Let's do loads of lessons or like four days, whatever it was. And he's like, oh, well, I'm on holiday. And he's like, just do it. See how you get on. <laughs> and, you know, if you pass, then great. If you fail, then. You passed first time then? I did. I don't know how. Paula, did you pass first time? Um, two minor faults. Yeah, I had two, two minors as well. Minors. But oh, I, minors. Yeah, but I did. I had six. But oh, I should have had more, <laughs> honestly, because I reversed. Because, again, I was never taught to park in these I had two lessons was never taught to park in it I was taught all the other stuff and they're like okay can you just park into this bay and I was like okay or not bay it was a parallel park I was like I'm not good at parallel parking why that one and I reversed into the curb like went to go again panic stalled swore <laughs> and then like sort of fudged it in like really badly after hitting the curb like three or four times 
We then kind of looked at him awkwardly and then that's all he gave me minors for. Wow. So I think I was very lucky that he was very nice. Because I thought a curb hit was quite bad. I thought, I thought that was, after that I was like, it's done. I'm, as long as I don't hit anybody that's by the curb, I think you're right. No, but I think that it's symbolic in the actual test that if you hit How the curb, it? usually I think there is something with Somebody that. listening yeah. to this will know and will probably get yeah. in touch and tell me I'm totally wrong. But. So I did pass, but still haven't been taught to park. So any oh. parking teachers out there? Are you a good backseat driver? Uh, depends who I'm with. Your boyfriend? Uh, he's... Oh, I don't want to say that he's a good driver. <laughs> I don't want to say he's a good driver because I always like moan at him. Yeah, and but he's a good driver. Yeah, he? he's quite a good driver. But he's very like, um, not like just, it gets you from A to B like as, <laughs> as normal. Like, just no like complaints. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. He's a bit like a mini metro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know how, yeah. He always goes there. But he's, he's very good at parking. And one of the first things he said to me um, when we first started going out, we were talking about parking. And he's like, I'm going to show you my parking and that's going to be it. Like, that was his chat up That was it, yeah. I'm going to parallel uh, park for wow. you. Wow. More or less. I tell you what. <laughs> it says, says a lot more about you than it does. I know. <laughs> but it's quite, and like every now and then I'm like, that's impressive. Like, <laughs> I love it still gets you going. Yeah, not like. Can he cook? He can Does cook, it, oh, yeah. right, okay, that's okay. He's a modern day housewife, to be honest. Oh, he's, that's good. Um, I thought his parallel parking was maybe as good as it got, but he brings other things to the table. He does, yeah, yeah. It's useful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've basically gone for like the list of things I find attractive and things I find useful. So he cleans. I'm like, okay, that's good. He cooks. That is he parallel useful. parks. What a yeah. man. And the attractiveness as well. He's not just useful. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, <laughs> fine. No, I'm joking. Um, Do you still get nervous before a race? Because when you say you get, you're almost so used to it that you, that you don't get shocked by the speed or anything. Do you need to work up the nerves before a race at any stage? No, I still get nervous. But I think that's just natural. Mm. Just any sense of occasion, even anything you just, I would say, get nervous for. But it's more kind of controlling the nerves so it doesn't have, because mm. your heart rate's already through the roof when you're in the car, just through adrenaline. So it's trying to make sure that you haven't got so many external factors kind of adding up that you feel this sort of overwhelming feel of, I guess, pressure or nerves or whatever it is and how do you do that what have you learned to do that um I think different things work for different people mm -hmm. um for me um I like being very chilled out relaxed I don't like stress in any capacity so that's useful for someone who's trying to be a formula one driver no stress yeah, no stress <laughs> just but you no know, there will be stressful situations but I wouldn't necessarily I would try and make it not stressful mm -hmm. so I try and like simplify everything so in my brain, as an example, the last race of W Series, effectively win the race, win the championship, happy days. That's how I see it. Just win the race, win the championship, happy day. Mm -hmm. I don't put any, oh, if I, you know, do a good job, then I might, pre like, if, I, if I put loads of factors onto it, then that stresses me out. So I just keep everything really simple. I know if I drive the best I can, I'll probably win the race. If I don't, win the race then I've driven the best I can so so you try to take the emotion out of it completely I guess, really. and just really simplify everything and keep it just everything is what it is and what's the worst that's going to happen as well mm. like worst case scenario I don't win the championship is my life over probably not like not make everything because when I was younger especially I used to put so much pressure on having to win everything mm -hmm. and yes okay that's what as a sports person I want to do I'm never happy when I lose but I still also feel like there's more to 
everything than just that one result. I wonder how much of a key that is to success, you know, because so many of the people we've spoken to talk about that and divorcing the process from the eventual result. And I think that's where a lot of us normal people can become overwhelmed in any given situation because you think of the outcome and you think of the what ifs and that can be your downfall really. And I wonder whether honing that skill is a big factor in success as well. I think so. I think different things work for different people. Um, I know a lot of drivers that are very emotional and they rely on that emotion for the fire and the, and a lot of people say to me, you need more sort of fire or emotion. And I don't think I do. I like the way that I, when I am in the car and I feel comfortable being the way I am. So I think different things for different people. Um, but yeah, for me, definitely taking out the emotion and just being very, yeah, focused on the process. You know, if you do everything right from a process point of view, ideally the result will come. And there's so many other factors that you, you can't control not to think about those ones. Has any of that spilled over into your personal life at all in, in the way of, so again, I look at myself, when I sort of transitioned through to become a professional athlete, I effectively had to get rid of a large part of my social group and everything else because just some of them weren't particularly good people. And it was also a desire just to not have stress around me. I'm very similar. I just don't want stress in my life. I want it as easy life as I possibly can. And I tried to have that in in, in sort of my work environment, if you like, there. Is, is that is that happened with you at all? Friendship groups or anything else? Have they, have they str- not struggled, but had to change, if you like, due to the sport? Um, a little bit. I mean, there's a few sort of sides of it because... I've got sort of my closest friends, the kind of friends from school that don't have known me before I got into racing, don't know anything about racing. And they're the ones that I try and see and not speak anything about racing. But I remember because um, my boyfriend used to race and now still works in the sport. And I always used to think I never want to be with anyone in the sport. Mm-hmm. I think it's unhealthy to come home and just talk about racing. But it's my whole life. Mm-hmm. So we can't not just talk about racing and that having that outlet of the person that's closest to you most of the time um being someone that you know you can speak to about the sport and have that voice both emotionally and professionally I think is important because I'm an emotional person outside of racing but in racing I'm not so to have that kind of two sides of things I think is important and then so you are emotional naturally then uh, I, I didn't realize I was but the older I get I think yeah definitely you have to start crying <laughs> um I think yeah more emotional than I think but if people talk about me that don't know me well they will never say I'm emotional because I think in a sporting context I'm not but in a personal context I would say yes so you say that you're quite good at the process and, and stripping it all back essentially Put yourself, as I'm sure you have done many times, on that start line in a Formula One race, your first Formula One race. How do you think you would feel then? I'd probably lose my mind. <laughs> um, I don't think anything can, can prepare you for that. those moments. I think there's always moments. Um, I naturally, the way I feel is once you're driving, there's too many other things, only other factors to to kind of think about to not have that um, sort of overwhelming feeling. But if you're sat on the grid in, in Formula One car, I would love to ask some of the drivers as to what they felt for the first time because it must be insane. And a feeling like that I want to experience. Mm-hmm. I don't, if I'm sat there and I'm like, oh, cool, yeah, this is all right, then I think there's a bit of a problem. So, um, yeah, hopefully that day comes one day and, and I can feel that for the first time. Well, anything less than getting to the starting grid of the Formula One of a Formula One race be good enough for you? Um, from a professional point of view, probably not. Um, just because you work hard, you do everything with a goal in mind. Um, and whilst there's always 
things that upset the journey, the goal still stays the same regardless. So probably not, but at the same time, you know, there's still a lot that I want to achieve in the sport mm-hmm. before I even get to that point. So there's a lot shorter term goals that I have to keep me kind of my short term focus a bit a bit more in line. So if we're saying as well, so three years, we want to see you obviously in F1. Past that, what do you see? Because it's not just Formula One based racing, is it mm-hmm. for you? Or you're also into other racing on top of that. So what could the future look like there? Yeah, we're treating F1 as if, as if it's the end no, point. Exactly. No, exactly. Yeah. And actually, that's a really, I'm glad you said that because even... I've started forgetting about mm. the fact that, and also in my whole career, if, you know, I look at the things that I've done, it's never just been Formula One. There's been, you know, I raced in Extreme E last year, which mm-hmm. is off-road. Um, I've got an interest in sports cars. So I'd love to race. There's so many sort of bucket list races like Le Mans and mm. Daytona and things that I want to do in, in my career. So it definitely isn't just about Formula One. And, you know, I want a professional career in the sport and, yeah, I want to be able to do that in any capacity, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot that I still want to achieve that, like I said, isn't just Formula One. Oh, Jamie, best of luck with it all. It's been wonderful chatting to yeah, you. Thank, thank you very you. much. That thank was absolutely you. brilliant. Brilliant. Good luck. You'll have two cheerleaders anyway for Formula One absolutely. all the way there. <laughs> so that was Jamie Chadwick. And what I find really interesting about her mentality and her approach she's obviously got a very wise head on her young shoulders and she was saying how she almost didn't want to progress too quickly because there's all of that pressure and if she doesn't do well it's going to be much harder because she's so in the public eye I guess it'd be much harder for her to get a seat back again and to get back into whatever class she was racing in but this is a woman this is what I find so tragic and so sad still is that every single time As women, we are told, ah, but you've got to have earned your place. You've got to be good enough. Yes, we do. But why don't we say that to guys? Why why do men not feel, and I know the answer, of course, but there are so many men who are more easily able to navigate their way through life without ever having the questioning that they don't then question themselves and think, well, I'm here because oh, I'm here because I deserve to be here. Whereas a woman will look around and say, oh, but do I deserve to be here yet? Because if not, I better take a step back. It's a bizarre one, isn't it? It's something like motorsports, where actually, as we got into, the, the vehicle plays a huge part in the success mm. and the funding that goes into that. Sounds like somebody's studying Formula One near us, actually, right now. We're in central London at the minute. and um, Really going for it yeah, as well, aren't yeah. they? Again, the car is that important. The fact that teams and backers aren't getting behind more women within the sport, I find absolutely baffling. Mm. And I fear that some of the old fashioned misogynistic views are really holding it back in that. And that's something that needs to change. Within the podcast, of course, we talk about it, it has to change at some point. Um, And I hope that people do start to adjust their thought processes because it needs to happen. It's unfair that people who are great athletes, as Jamie is, don't have an opportunity purely down to money. But it's also mechanical bias, if you like, as well. It's the fact that cars are designed for the average male. And it's a bit like, um, I don't know if you ever read Caroline Criado Perez's book, Invisible Woman, when she talks about data bias against women and, and I guess, societal bias against women, where everything, like your iPhone, is designed for the hand of a man, for example. And um, cars, crash test dummies, are designed to protect the average man whenever a car crashes and not a woman. And so the whole world, I guess, is designed around men rather than women. And that's something that, as you say, with cars being as they are quite important to race driving, 
it has to be factored in, I guess. And we have to start having cars that are also designed for the ergonomics of, of a woman. So it's going to be really interesting to see where her own research takes her because it blew me away that that's not been done yet. But I guess it's also quite expected, really. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, look, I think with somebody like Jamie Chadwick, we've got an opportunity to really promote women's racing drivers. And that's a huge thing. So maybe she will be that trailblazer to go through. And in 15, 20 years' time, me and you will be patting each other on the back going, that was got, us. We got the chatting first. <laughs> we? It, was, it was us lobbying the guys at Red Bull and Williams and everybody else that got it there in the end. But you do need people to speak up to obviously do this research. It does blow my mind that the teams aren't doing this research. But if she can get the results that, that are needed. Mm, absolutely. Well, speaking of results, Greg, we've come to the important part of the podcast. The most important part. The most important part where we take on each other and our guest in the very serious game of rock, paper, scissors. I would like to remind our dear listeners and indeed anybody watching that I'm currently winning. You I are. beat both Greg Rutherford and Mark Cavendish. Who moment, gets to say that? Yeah, but it's a moment that you've not stopped, not stopped talking about <laughs> ever since. I don't know you'll anybody who's talking about it. You'll text about it. You'll call about it. We meet up. The first thing you Hi, say Greg, do you is go. Do you remember I beat you? It's exactly that. <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors. Let's have a little listen. No, before we round off. Right, yeah, do you know about this? Have no, you, I haven't told her. You've not told her? No. I mean, I'm nervous. You, you should like, be. It's a beautiful room in here. It's a really important thing. Yeah. If anything you're worried about breaking, maybe we should remove them from the room because this can get a little bit. I'm fascinated as to what we've got going on. So, right. Go on. I'll let, I'll let you on it. it. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay you ready? So imagine, imagine on the start line. In the Zoom. Yeah. Helmets on. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ah, you're out! She's out! Doesn't matter! I was so Doesn't close matter. to going with the paper! Why scissors? That's the worst it's one! It's not! It's not! If you both did paper! It's only the worst one because you both did wrong! You're right there, all right? I'm quite sick. I'll keep going. Hype that up. Okay, right, here we go. Okay, okay. Oh. okay. 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 Wait, ready? Wait, wait, let me think, let me think. Okay. Okay, yeah, okay. Rock, Rock paper, paper, scissors, scissors shoot. shoot. I thought I'd, I was like, no one does yes. scissors. And then I thought it was like this. Oh. Anyway, Jamie, thank you. Very thank you so much. much. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Oh, that's, oh. I really deserve that. Yeah. Anybody who's only listening and not watching can't see either my disgusted face or Greg's, quite frankly, fairly standard smug face. That's a one all in our rock, paper, scissors. Yeah, I mean, they all want to see me win. This, <laughs> no, everybody can do. see how important it is to you. And it's funny to watch you. I think I probably, I think I probably have more backing than you do. I'm the underdog <laughs> in everything between yeah, us. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> anyway, uh, one man who's certainly not an underdog is our next guest, Sir Chris Hoy. We get to talk to him next, don't we? And an it's incredible really, conversation. Really powerful conversation, wasn't it? Yeah, really profound. One that again I'll remember for all my days. A really philosophical deep thinker, mm. something that I think maybe you'd never realised. A lot of people just go, it was that guy on the bike, wasn't mm. he? What an incredible human. And on a day which was, for both of you, incredibly emotional, it was it was a wonderful part of a great chat. Yeah, I've never heard him speak like it, and I was listening back to it earlier and had to stop in the street and close my eyes and just listen. It was really special. So I hope you'll tune in for that one. We'll see you then. Mm.